Today's sponsor for TFE is brought to you by Amazon's Audible.com service, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio. Welcome everybody to TFE Radio Wrestling. This is our second episode. I'm your humble host and narrator, James Strength Navarro. The title of this episode is The Sequel. I don't normally read out the titles of the episodes, but you could see it for yourself wherever you're downloading the show. And thank you once again for joining us. It is, is Saturday, November 7th, 2020. We're also covering uh, some things that have happened on Sunday, as well as we are going to go to our throwback match of the week as well amongst other things also going to talk about the 30th anniversary of the undertaker's wwe debut as the survivor series is coming up in a few weeks and we also are going to talk about the unfortunate incident that happened uh, at some point uh, on sunday with Paige and her stalker thankfully being captured but before we do anything else this is your AEW Wrestling's Full Gear pay-per-view, and what a pay-per-view it was. Let's get to the results, and we'll get to the review itself and my overall thoughts. This is your official AEW full results and review for the first time ever, first show ever, from TFE Radio Wrestling. Let's get to it. So... We had our first matchup. Our first matchup was before the actual pay-per-view had started. This was on the countdown, uh, the um, countdown that was on uh, YouTube. It was Serena Deeb, the NWA World's Women's Champion, defeating Allison K by submission in 10 minutes and 25 seconds. I was quite entertained. Uh, Serena is she looks amazing i mean she looks almost nothing like how she looked when she was in wwe again this is my first time getting a chance to actually speak about her on this show as this is only the second episode uh she has uh like she has a bodybuilder's physique but she looks slim trim you know some obvious um uh decreases in certain parts of her uh, I don't want to get into all that but she looks amazing she looks great and NWA world women's champion she looked great in this outing against Allison K who was uh, making her debut for AEW if I'm not mistaken very entertaining match gave him enough time uh you know, I always think with the women's matches, they should probably give them a little bit more than 10 minutes. But again, this is AEW, so they actually do give their women enough chance, enough time 
to get out there and get themselves over in a fairly lengthy match. Not taking any shots at WWE or any other company, but I'm just saying AEW really tries to emphasize and give uh, enough airtime to their female performers. In the actual match that started the entire pay-per-view, what a slugfest, what a match this was. The battle between two former friends, and they're building up to hopefully something else down the road, but this came to a head as this was the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament final match, and the winner receives a future AEW World Championship match in 16 minutes and 25 seconds. The cleaner, yes, we saw the this version of Kenny Omega debuting a number of weeks ago. It was Kenny Omega defeating his former AEW World Tag Team Championship partner and member of the Elite, Hangman Adam Page, sturdily entertained with this match. What a... It, it was a barn burner, so to speak. They were slugging each other. Took some, uh, some, some risks, I would say, but not too many. They wrestled somewhat of a snug type of match. Kenny Omega is known to wrestle a bit of a snug type of match anyhow, so he was in good hands with, uh, with Hangman Page, and Hangman Page was in good hands with him. And of course, these two really know each other, but there were some uh, near falls, of course. Uh, like I said, it was a slugfest at one point when Hangman clobbered Omega with the, uh, with the clothesline, the, the flip clothesline. I, I'm not, I can't remember what they called it, actually, the actual name of it, but... Man, it it was it was a hell of a way to start the 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 show, the actual pay per view show. Uh, of course, before I get into anything else, the commentary featured uh, the one and only Jim Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Excalibur on commentary as well, and they really did uh, wonders to help sell this match. But yes, Kenny Omega will now receive an AEW World Heavyweight Championship match against the winner of the main event, tonight's main event, being between Eddie Kingston and, of course, John Moxley, but we'll get to that later on. In the third, excuse me, in the, overall the third match of the night, but the second match of the pay-per-view, Orange Cassidy, who's got a cult-like following and is one of my favorites in AEW, one of my favorites in wrestling right now, actually. Uh, this was, I would say, the first of two matches in which they had featured two of their top, I would say, homegrown talents of AEW. But this one, the first one, was Orange Cassidy defeating John Silver in a singles match in 9 minutes and 40 seconds. Could have probably given him a couple more minutes because John Silver is a, is a beast. He's a beast in that ring. He really can go. I mean, I really got a chance to really study and watch how this gentleman gets in there. And he really can put on a good show, engaging with the crowd. And he definitely, as I hit my mic there for a second there, I hope you didn't hear that, but whatever. I'm so excited about this pay-per-view. It was such a top-notch pay-per-view. But John Silver can really go. And I think... Once he eventually breaks away from the Dark Order, because you know what's going to happen. He's, I think he's, he is, I would say, well, along with Stu Grayson, is one of the top workers in that entire uh, crew. Uh, no offense to Brody Lee or Colt Cabana, but uh, John Silver, I think he's got a huge future ahead of him. Jim Ross was a very high on him during the pay-per-view, during the uh, this match with Orange Cassidy, of course. Uh 
John Silver put on a hell of a show and Orange Cassidy won out at the end of the day. He got the victory. He was booked to go over, but Orange Cassidy, for what it's worth, he's getting a, a he's he's starting to slowly gain a reputation of whoever he's in the ring with. He also makes them look good, which is a great sign, a great trait of a great worker in the in the ring. Now, mind you, of course, the Orange Cassidy gimmick uh, could probably hinder a lot of his true talent, give or take a few moves here and there, and a few of the intricacies of his character coming out to help to get the character over but as time goes on we'll see more and more of Orange Cassidy sort of evolve and develop and continue to uh, make his opponent or opponents look good and John Silver while not really needing a whole lot of that help to make himself look good he made himself look good if you understand what I'm saying John Silver looked incredible in this outing I wish they did give him a couple more minutes it wasn't a pretty exciting match it really was uh, John Silver doesn't have to be the biggest guy in, in the organization, but he is pretty damn good in the ring. He is really good. I really, really enjoyed his work in this match. Um, my only criticism, again, is that it was 9 minutes, 40 seconds. They could have given them a couple more minutes to sort of get themselves over a little bit more. But uh, as time goes on, we hope to see more of John Silver as a singles competitor. And, of course, Orange Cassidy, who is uh, basically getting the the uh, somewhat of a rocket ship the rocket pack strapped onto his back and taken to the stars, taken to the moon. Now, I said that there was a second, uh, there was two matches. One match that actually I just covered here with Orange Cassidy, which was one of my favorites in the company, a homegrown AEW talent, so to speak. And the other homegrown AEW talent, again, so to speak, <laughs> Darby Allen. Darby Allen in the fourth match of the night third for the pay-per-view defeated in 17 minutes and a really 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 good match i really did really really enjoy this match i was really looking forward to this i wasn't thinking that they were going to pull the trigger on darby winning any kind of championship tonight but they did darby allen defeated the american nightmare cody Rhodes, yes, that was the big deal. Cody Rhodes, using the full name. I guess there was some kind of uh, agreement or settlement or something going on there. But Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, that's right, Cody Rhodes, actually used his name, Rhodes. Thankfully, I, I had always, 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 and this is just going off on a on a on a slightly different tangent here. Cody Rhodes always sounded better than just the American Nightmare Cody. Cody Rhodes is wrestling royalty. He is from a wrestling family, a dynasty and a legacy. Dustin Rhodes, you know, the, the, the natural, uh, however way you want to uh, call him for his nickname, was always using Dustin Rhodes. And here we have finally Cody at the start of the show, basically the start of the show, almost the start of the show, uh, give or take the second match in uh, is getting a excuse me the third match in is getting an opportunity to uh, get the people talking announced by Justin Roberts as the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes don't spend too much time on that but I just found it a lot better sounding than hearing just American Nightmare Cody 
And, of course, he had Arn Anderson in his corner. And Darby Allen did, in fact, defeat the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes for the AEW TNT Championship. And Darby Allen has got the Rocket Pack on his back with the AEW management. And he is getting his opportunity to get over as he goes over on Cody Rhodes in a very, very good classic classic for what it's worth match um i really didn't have any much criticism about this uh you could definitely see the size difference but darby and what he makes what he lacks in size he makes up for in talent he really is going to be a huge star in this business and is it me or he kind of resembles when he's sitting up in the rafters sitting up in the stands he sort of reminds me of a certain someone who i think might just go far in this business or might just actually have gone far in this business uh i think his name is sting <laughs> yeah he looked good he looked good in this match he looked good in the stands you know when cody had cut that promo earlier in the week on aew dynamite uh on him as he was facing him towards um uh, close to, I think, close to the hard camera. He had cut that promo on Darby as Darby was sitting in the uh, the the uh, the cheap seats, so to speak. And he just really reminded me of the I call him the Crow Sting, or they call him the Vigilante Sting, whatever you want to say. But uh, Darby is your new AEW TNT champion, and the two gentlemen embraced. They, you know, they. Uh, Cody had gotten on his knees and had given the championship to Darby, and Darby uh, had taken the championship from Cody's hands. And then, you know, they were doing their own little celebration. Cody was helping Darby to celebrate. And then out comes Taz, who I swear to God, I hope one day he. And it's funny because he actually started his promo with, I swear to God, I swear to God. I swear to God, I'm going to vomit or I'm going to puke or something like he said. All the tears and all the emotionals, whatever, whatever, you know, and, and you two punk asses, get your ass to the back of the, you know, to the dressing room, some, something like that he had said. But I am just so, so entertained by how Taz sounds on the mic like the Taz of old, that angry, just, you know, could talk you into the building Taz from the old ECW days. I would like to see, and again, this is—I'm just a sucker for this. It may never happen. I don't—I mean, it probably will never happen. But I would like to see Taz in the ring one more time uh, as the old Taz, uh, at least for just one match. I don't know who that could be against, but I—I I mean, I don't have any foreshadowing of who could actually get in the ring with Taz right now because I mean, it is far-fetched. So that's why I haven't thought that far about who would face Taz in the ring. But Taz, being in the ring one more time throwing some suplexes around give him a good you know if he can go for that long give him a, a 10 give him a 15 minute match or something against somebody who could help to sort of carry him along because taz has not been in the ring i believe since uh the last 18 years but anyhow taz comes out cuts this promo on darby on cody out comes brian cage out comes ricky starks they do the beat down they do the attack they're going to go in a uh, take the new champ the new aew tnt champ over to the car there where it says uh, the face of tnt and they um they do the beat down on darby try to do the whole barry windham halloween havoc before the event start type of uh you know uh, uh 
uh, dangerous alliance thing that they did back in 91 where uh, Zabisco and Arn Anderson took, uh, I believe it was, uh, I think it was Barry Windham, Barry Windham's arm and just just completely smashed it in the car, so to speak. Uh, they were looked like they were about to do the same thing with Darby Allen's arm until Will Hobbs came out, cleaned house over there uh, on that side of the building there where they were uh, had the the car parked, and uh, yeah, so that was the end of that. Uh, we'll see uh, what's in store for Darby as the champion. And speaking of championship matches, and speaking of champions, Hikaru Shida, one of my favorites, one of my favorite women performers in the business right now defeated Nyla Rose with the ever-entertaining, I love her to death, Vicky Guerrero. Uh, speaking of which, um, in about uh, a week or so is going to be the anniversary, the 15-year anniversary of the late, great WW Hall of Famer, the one and only Eddie Guerrero uh, passing away, uh, unfortunately. But it was great to see Vicky. Um, you know, Vicky with her very loud, screeching voice, um, I remember seeing a picture of her a few years ago where she was looked like she was doing some bodybuilding or something. I don't know if that was a uh, she was doing some kind of fitness or something of that nature. Uh, I could be wrong, but I remember seeing that picture and she looked incredible. She still looks incredible now, and it's just great to see her uh, being a part of a major company and doing her thing and really uh, getting herself over while getting the talent over. But in this case. Uh, Nyla Rose actually lost tonight's matchup for the AEW Women's World Championship. They gave them 14 minutes and 10 seconds. At the end of the match, Vicky Guerrero chewed out Nyla Rose's ass and basically said, you know, well, I couldn't really, I'm just trying to make out everything she was saying, but she was screaming at her. And, you know, Vicky's voice is so screeching. Sometimes I can't hear exactly what she's saying, but she slapped Nyla in the face. Nyla took it like a champ and just like, all right, okay, okay. And basically put her head down and that was it. Um, the vicious vixens seem to be uh, a little bit of trouble in paradise there. But Hikaru Shida uh, really did a number on Nyla at the end there, basically giving back a taste of medicine to Nyla as Nyla. And this is like, it, you know, psychology wise, you understand but you really say it's really not that good of a psychological move in the match that when you have basically a put it away, like this was a real fight or a real wrestling match, so to speak, she picked up Hikaru Ushida when she could have gotten the three count, picked her up and decided to do more damage to her, gave her the double finger, and then, you know, tried to knock her lights out with the... Um, uh, their own version of the V trigger, her own v version of the V trigger, and then Hikaru did the same thing to her, and then eventually, ultimately, defeated Nyla. But uh, otherwise, another great match. This was the fourth match of the night, uh, fifth overall, and Hikaru Ishida retains the AEW Women's World Championship in a highly anticipated match. In 28 minutes, 35 seconds, in a classic in which a lot of people were looking forward to seeing. Mind you, they have never been in the ring with each other, uh, you know, as just a, a singular tag team match between the two teams. Not bad for a first time out. 
but the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, as they're doing the whole uh, uh, injury angle with the uh, the knee to, I believe it was Matt Jackson, um, defeating FTR, Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood, where Tully Blanchard was barred from ringside. Now, Tully had come out to the ring accompanying them they did their uh almost four horsemen type of uh you know put your hands in and you know whatever but uh tully was not there uh the added stipulation added to this match during the week um eh, on wednesday excuse me i almost forgot on this past wednesday before the paper days before the pay-per-view it had been stipulated that had the Young Bucks lost, they would have never had competed for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. So they had added that extra little oomph, a little bit of extra interest to the match. But what a match. I mean, Nick Jackson can go, but I, I'm a big fan of Matt Jackson too. I'm a big fan of both of them. I'm a big supporter of both of them. You know, the Young Bucks. And of course, during the match, they were promoting the book that they had coming out, which I want to get that book as well. Uh... I, the name of the book actually um, eludes me for some reason. I'm drawing a blank now, but uh, I think it's youngbucksbook.com, something of that nature. You can go get the book, and they talk about basically their career and the business to this point. Uh, that's definitely a, a good read from what I'm hearing, and not to mention it's also... Um, I have to check, but I think our Amazon's Audible service that we have that is a sponsor of all our TFE content, including this show, I think they might have a audiobook version of it. I have to check back, but however, I'm definitely going to get that book. Definitely going to check it out. Uh, I believe Tony Schiavone had said that he had already read the book and it was just a, a you couldn't put it down. But anyhow, uh, there was a lot of crazy spots in this. As they say, the FTR was saying, no flips, just fists. It was a slugfest at times. Of course, it was paced very well. Uh, both teams got a chance to get a lot of their big finishing moves in, while at the same time, uh, as I said, continuing to further the storyline of the, uh, the injured ankle by Matt Jackson. And also, at one point, Matt had his, his, his boot taken off. And... Super kicked. This was the ending of the match. Super kicked. I believe it was Cash Wheeler or das, Dax Hardwood. I can't remember now, but uh, super kicked him with basically the bare foot. Got the pin after he just sort of fell on top of him, holding his ankle and did the pin. And then here we have new AEW World Tag Team Champions. I believe that this is the first reign for the Young Bucks as the AEW World Tag Team Champions. And FTR definitely will be challenging once again for those titles. It was a, uh, I think, a match of the year candidate. But then again, you know, they have some stiff competition, their own competition, so to speak. When you go back to uh, Revolution, or I think it was Revolution or Evolution, I think it was Revolution, earlier this year in February before the whole pandemic had started, where there was an actual crowd. The classic matchup between the AEW World Tag Team Champions at the time, the aforementioned Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page against the Young Bucks for the World Tag Team titles. But uh, this match was definitely, I would say, uh, match of the year candidate, in my opinion. Again, you may not think so. You know, their first time out, I would say pretty damn good for their first time out being in the ring in an official match with each other, uh, the two teams. 
But we have definitely not seen the end of FTR and, of course, the legendary Tully Blanchard in their corner. Then, it was filmed uh, earlier on at some point. Uh, Matt Hardy defeats Sammy Guevara of the Inner Circle in 19 minutes and 39 seconds in the Elite Deletion match. And I would be remiss to not mention, if I did not mention, excuse me, easy for me to say, that at some point during this free-for-all brawl, the back and forth between the two gentlemen, Sammy Guevara can go, but Matt Hardy could still go. And especially, you know, when he is the... Uh, the the broken Matt Hardy, which is my favorite version of Matt Hardy's uh, persona and his character in the ring and out of the ring, uh, there was an appearance by a couple of familiar faces. One being Gangrel, and the other being uh, someone who had recently had left or was let go by WWE back in April. Uh, as me, Gene would put it, a dear close personal friend of the Hardys. The one and only Sugar Shane Helms, Hurricane Helms, but Shane Hel- but Shane Helms had made an appearance both as the superhero uh, Hurricane Helms and then the Shane Helms reporter uh, version of that Hurricane Helms character. It was really good to see the both of them. Gangrel looks like he hasn't aged a bit. He's got those still crazy looking vampire teeth, and of course. Sugar Shane Helms, I still call him Sugar Shane, yes, it's such a cool name, uh, from the old WCW days. Uh, the Vertebreaker was still one of the most craziest moves I've ever seen, um, but uh, he got tossed into the the, uh, the river there at some point, the, um, and then of course, there was a lot of um, fireworks, literally, as Matt basically was trying to shoot Sammy Guevara with those fireworks, and one of those little thin cannons, uh, uh, firecracker type of um, not even I wouldn't even say like a launcher or something like that I was gonna say gun but <laughs> I don't want you thinking about if you're just tuning into this going what the hell Matt Hardy shot Sammy Guevara with a gun <laughs> it's like the old Eddie Murphy joke he shot Jimmy Walker in the lips why did you shoot Jimmy Walker in the lips I like good times <laughs> but anyway uh I was entertained once again by this match but I guess you could sort of say that this entire pay-per-view to this point i have been entertained there was not one bad match up to this point and this did deliver the elite deletion match was thoroughly entertaining i was very very intrigued by how they were going to do this but this seems to be uh the way that you know doing these for these big pay-per-views doing these um these almost cinematic type of matches but this was a bit more real in a sense even though it was somewhat cinematic in its presentation a little bit not so much, but Matt Hardy is the one, and I'll say it now, and I'll say it again and again, again again. <laughs> Matt Hardy was the one who started these cinematic matches, dating back from when he was with Impact Wrestling, and he had debuted the broken Matt Hardy character. He is the one who did these sort of cinematic matches and called them the Elite Deletion Match, or whatever the case, or Ultimate Deletion Match. He is the one who started it all. But Matt Hardy defeats Sammy Guevara in a very, very entertaining match in just under 20 minutes. And that is the sixth match of the pay-per-view, the seventh overall of the night. And match number eight and the seventh match overall for the pay-per-view itself, MJF with Wardlow 
actually defeated Chris Jericho. Now, may say that, hey, you know, we kind of saw this coming, kind of saw it coming, but, you know, you never know. They could have kept it going about, you know, what would MJF have to do if even Jericho had defeated him, but I think it was time to finally put the trigger on this one to have MJF actually gain this victory in the best way possible, which is to face Chris Jericho as they had sort of more formally announced during the week in AEW Dynamite on Wednesday that you had to pull the trigger on MJF joining this uh, this crew, the Inner Circle. And he defeated Chris Jericho. And I had mentioned Eddie Guerrero earlier. I was almost laughing out loud, but again, was was sort of clapping at the same time. I said, And it was a very small sort of footnote, but it was a big deal to me. Because again, as I had mentioned Eddie Guerrero earlier and the anniversary of his passing coming up next week, the 15-year anniversary... MJF had pulled a Eddie Guerrero and they had made mention on commentary I believe it was Jim Ross had said you know the line steal and cheat line as MJF pretended to play dead on the mat as Jericho was shocked at what he was seeing and it almost I thought the match was going to end in a disqualification actually at that point because uh, the the use of the foreign object I believe it was the chair and then uh, MJF had the ring in his in his hand and then it ultimately led to uh, after 16 minutes and 10 seconds, MJF actually rolling up Chris Jericho for the win. And then a small celebration as the two gentlemen uh, exchange pleasantries, so to speak. And then here we have it. Now we are going to see something later on with MJF, I guess, being inducted into the inner circle this coming Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. So a MJF gains a very, very big victory over the demo god and one of my favorites the one and only chris jericho and of course it's always entertaining always entertaining to hear the crowd whatever crowd that they have at daily's place singing along to chris jericho's judas hit record now also so just to let you know not only is mjf because he won he went over on jericho tonight he and Wardlow are allowed to join the inner circle. So Wardlow is not without any, uh, is not left alone. He will be a part of the inner circle as well. It'll be interesting, as I said, to see what they do for AEW Dynamite this coming Wednesday. And finally, the main event. I had mentioned these two gentlemen earlier in this review. In 17 minutes and 35 seconds in the I Quit match for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, John Moxley defeated Eddie Kingston and made him say I quit and he beat him with the same choke that he had beaten him the last time these two gentlemen had faced in the ring. But this time, and you can't blame it, you can't blame if on storyline purposes eddie kingston being the one on the receiving end of another chokeout in which he then says i quit because this time john moxley being the brutal son of a bitch that he is storyline wise of course character wise had a piece of barbed wire around his forearm while choking out eddie kingston and it looked it looked pretty brutal but you can't blame it because who would not give up if you have a piece of barbed wire and this crazy dude's 
you know, forearm around your neck, choking you out. What are you going to do? You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you don't just say, I quit. Eddie did. Eddie put on a great show. Eddie's a big star in this company already. He's already gotten a, a main event spot, you know, main eventing a, uh, a pay-per-view, a major pay-per-view for the company. He's on top of the card right now. He deserves it. He's been in the business for a long time. I believe it's been 18 years now. Um, the only criticism about Eddie that a lot of people say, and I might concur a little bit, is that maybe he might have to work on his physique a little bit, but... You know, Eddie is a tough, tough son of a bitch, much like John Moxley. And these two gentlemen have a, a, a very storied, checkered past with each other, storyline-wise, of course. And, of course, it was a very, once again, as you guessed it, the theme of tonight is a very entertaining match. I would say that this pay-per-view was, out of a 10, I would say it was definitely... A, I would say it was a, a 9.5 out of a 10. And I say 9.5 because I personally, like I said, my only big criticism was that they should have had put the NWA Women's World Championship. I actually think they should have put that on the show as well. Uh, but in the interest of time, the pay-per-view did in fact last almost four hours. So I do understand but I would say, hey, you know what? Might as well just go for the whole four hours, depending on the on if well, if you, not depending, but if you look at the time of the Deeb and Allison K match, you would have seen that they probably could have been able to fit that match on the actual pay per view, as they are giving the rub to the NWA owned by Billy Corgan, and they do deserve that rub, of course. Uh, you probably could have put that match on there probably give them a little bit more time the orange cassidy match and the john silver match could have been given at least a minute or two longer i would say probably give them at least 12 minutes uh 12 15 minutes who knows um 15 minutes could have been maybe stretching it a little bit but i would have liked to see them continue to uh showcase their talents and a, a bit more of a lengthier match those are the only criticisms that the Deeb and the Allison came match should have been on the pay-per-view and also the Orange Cassidy and John Silver match be given a few minutes longer at least 12 minutes plus I would say and uh, other than that I would say a thumbs up pay-per-view so that's it for our first official wrestling pay-per-view results and review again easy for me to say Hope you enjoyed. We'll be back after these messages. A word from our sponsor. Amazon's Audible service is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio. That's www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio and get started today. And we are back here for TFE Radio Wrestling, Episode 2 for our second segment. I hope that you enjoyed our first segment where I went over the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view tonight. And I wanted to talk about a couple of things 
uh, in this segment. And our third segment, we will get to the throwback match of the week. The WWE Survivor Series will be in two weeks from tomorrow. And it's going to be the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker's WWE debut. Now, I have a lot to say about Undertaker. Uh, He is one of my favorite uh, performers of all time. He is arguably the greatest creation in the WWE's history. I'm not saying a lot because there is a lot of creations that... Uh, were born and bred in the WWE that went on to great and amazing legendary things. Of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, so on and so forth. A lot of these individuals had careers before they came into the WWE, but of course, their biggest successes came from the WWE. Uh, Some of them known as the WWF at the time, their careers starting at that point. And of course, what we know as the WWE now and the World Wrestling Entertainment. A lot of these individuals, uh, I believe, in their own way had carved out their own niche, their own legendary status, and they're all legends, but I don't think there has ever been anyone ever like The Undertaker. And there's a lot to be said because they're building this upcoming WWE Survivor Series with... The anticipation that this could be the last time we see The Undertaker. This is The Undertaker's farewell, so to speak. I don't want to get so much into that particular part of it. But I would like to sort of speak about The Undertaker's... uh, His debut 30 years ago at the same event. When Taker debuted, he was immediately known as Kane The Undertaker. Kane at The Undertaker. Now, they dropped the Kane part, thank God. It's kind of like the Facebook movie, The Social Network, where uh, Sean Parker, played by Justin Timberlake, says, drop the the, just call it Facebook. It's kind of the same thing with Taker. The Undertaker stuck more than Kane The Undertaker. They still used Kane later on um, for a character that Glenn Jacobs would later champion and become legendary being the storyline brother of The Undertaker later on. So it all worked out. The Undertaker immediately was thrust into the limelight and has been on top of the business ever since. I have never seen a run. I cannot say enough great things about The Undertaker. He is basically, as we can sort of see, he's pretty much done as an in-ring performer for the WWE. Uh, I don't want to spark speculation uh, because as I don't want to say well because he's done performing for the WWE and that he's going to end up going to AEW or some other company no 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 I don't see that happening uh, we saw something kind of close to it I believe it was last year where The Undertaker uh, sort of was uh, without real strong ties with the WWE and was going to appear at the StarCast event for Conrad Thompson in part at around the time for, I believe, one of the big AEW pay-per-views. I could be wrong. I'd have to do my research on this. I'd have to go back and look. I think it was for the all-out pay-per-view weekend. But then uh, WWE had taken Taker and, I believe, Kurt Angle off of the the, the roster. Uh, 
to appear at that particular event uh, for Conrad Thompson. Um, that was probably the closest thing that could have really and did spark a lot of speculation like wow conrad got the undertaker really and this is it even though it is said that the the star cast weekend in association with any major aew pay-per-view is separate it's in association it has nothing to do with aew but the lines have been kind of blurred there and they sort of blurred it a little bit more when you had Conrad sort of appear on camera for some of the elite shows and some of the backstage footage and some of the behind the scenes footage for AEW. So, uh, you know, say what you will. Uh, Conrad is the man with the magic pen right now. He could pretty much sign anybody, but and he had gotten Undertaker and Kurt Angle at one point. Now, I believe I could be actually wrong about this. I think it was a little bit further back that he had signed them to the StarCast event and then WWE had pulled both gentlemen from the event. Um, and I think in place for Taker, I believe it was Sting who took... or Sting or it was a major Japanese wrestler. Uh, I believe it was one of my... F I, well, he, I wouldn't say he was one of mine, but he is definitely my favorite Japanese wrestler of all time. I believe Taker was replaced with Kenta Kobashi, if I'm not mistaken, at that time. Anyhow, the point is, is that do I think The Undertaker is done with the company? Is he done performing? Time will tell. Uh, again, I think I'll get more into this next week about my thoughts about Undertaker. Will he stay? Will he go? Uh, will this be the end of The Undertaker at the very event in which he had debuted? But I wanted to talk about, once again, just to reiterate, The Undertaker had gotten into the limelight immediately from the jump when he started with the company back in October of 1990 and then debuting in November 1990. He was in the ring as the uh, special uh, the special surprise uh participant as a part of the million dollar team it was uh ted DiBiase, the million dollar man uh it was also uh, rhythm and blues honky tonk man and great the hammer valentine and then of course it was the undertaker coming out who at the time was managed by was was being escorted to the ring at that time uh, when we first laid our eyes on what would become the legendary undertaker 30 years later throughout the 30 years he was led by bruce pritchard aka brother love which then we switched over to uh, a much more fitting uh, percy pringle aka uh, paul bearer may he rest in peace uh, <laughs> no pun intended but no percy pringle is no longer with us as you all know uh, taker was then on the opposite end of the uh, he was on that team and then as you know the history he was facing some other hall of famers and legendary figures some of which are no longer with us as well the american dream dusty Rhodes was on the, was the team captain for the uh the dream team i believe it was called and it was brett the hitman hart jim the anvil Nightheart, and also coco beware of course taker ended up becoming the sole survivor of that team for the million dollar team and ended up uh defeating coco beware i believe coco beware was the first uh the first person he pinned in that match 
and then eventually uh, I know he had gotten in there with under uh, with uh, excuse me with Dusty Rhodes and uh, we saw what happened there but um, we had seen our first taste of what would become legendary matches later on in the company between The Undertaker and Bret Hart uh, so and we saw uh, if I'm not mistaken I Taker had eliminated Jim Neidhart as well he basically eliminated the entire damn team by himself it was a hell of a showing and and you know a lot of everyone in that match are hall of famers taker i believe this coming year in 2021 will be inducted into the ww hall of fame he would be the headliner i would suppose that you cannot do anything bigger than i mean if there's something beyond the hall of fame for undertaker give it to him because he deserves it he is the longest active in-ring performer without a single pause, break, or anything, not jump to the competition or whoever that may have been. He is the longest reigning main eventer, I believe, of all time. He has been on the main event card ever since he debuted, and he was right, as I said, thrust into the limelight going against future Hall of Famers. Dusty Rhodes was already a Hall of Famer at that time. He was already a legendary at that time when he was in his stint with the WWF at, at, that, at that particular time in uh, 1990. Um, of course, Ted DiBiase, uh, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, this past, uh, last year, excuse me, it was the Hart Foundation, as the tag team, the Hart Foundation, inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, Jim Neidhart, uh, posthumously, along with his partner, Bret Hart, who again uh, was uh, taking the acceptance speech, doing the acceptance speech, along with um, Natty Neidhart, and um, they had done the induction as the Hart Foundation. So, you know, Bret as an individual, already a Hall of Famer, was already inducted. Coco Beware, of course, and, uh, you know, Great the Hammer Valentine, Ted DiBiase, as I mentioned, Honky Tonk Man. Uh, I don't believe Honky's been actually inducted just yet. I don't believe. I don't think he has been. Uh, I'd have to go back on who was supposed to be inducted this year, but I do know, remember that it was supposed to be JBL and the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith posthumously, um, thanks to Georgia Hart and uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., aka Harry Smith, and Diana Hart. Uh, but Taker was in some great company in that first outing, and he never looked back. And look at that a year later. He is main eventing the Survivor Series, WWF Survivor Series 91. He is main eventing against, in what was considered, it was dubbed, it was titled, The Gravest Challenge. The Undertaker defeats champion Hulk Hogan. And the rest was history even then from, from that moment as well. And of course, that was the first Survivor Series, uh, the first major pay-per-view that the... Who had, uh, who had just jumped ship from WCW, the Nature Boy Ric Flair making his first major WWF pay-per-view debut, that same event in which Undertaker had defeated Hulk Hogan in very controversial fashion. And of, go of course, if you have not seen the interview from a number of months back earlier this year, uh, Taker actually tells a story, a very interesting story, which I will eventually get to when I do, uh, I'm thinking about doing a special uh, sort of tribute show to The Undertaker, uh, where it's just nothing but Undertaker talking about, and Taker had told a story about Hulk Hogan and 
some of the little bit of fibbing he was doing that night uh, at the Survivor Series uh, shortly thereafter the event had taken place and Taker had won the WWF World Heavyweight Championship um, but anyhow Taker made an incredible impact on this business he is beyond legendary I would put him on my, my Mount Rushmore of legendary figures and if you had to talk about wrestling who would be on that Mount Rushmore Taker does not get enough credit to be on that because usually it's the same people and a lot of it I do agree with Hulk Hogan Steve Austin Ric Flair Randy Savage Roddy Piper Bret Hart uh, you know Shawn Michaels um, Bruno Sammartino and uh, so on and so forth uh, should be on that Mount Rushmore but Undertaker does not ever get a mention and in my opinion he should be on that Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling as one of the greatest legends of all time uh, however saying that uh, next week I will get into greater detail about Undertaker and will he stay or will he go will this be the end of Taker or were they jumpstart another program involving Taker that will eventually lead to perhaps we may finally see his last official match period at Wrestlemania next year in 2021 I have my thoughts and opinions about that but again stay tuned for next week and I will talk about what my opinions are about The Undertaker and will this in fact be the farewell of the dead man at this year's Survivor Series or not. The other topic I wanted to get to, it was tweeted and it was put out on social media on Sunday. Early Sunday evening, the exact time was 4.44 p.m. Paige uh, had a stalker incident. Now Paige from WWE, of course, uh, they had reported on it. Uh, they had talked about it. She had talked about it on her Twitter. And this very scary incident that had happened, um, to my knowledge, as I was preparing to uh, produce and get this network and these shows off the ground, including this one in particular, uh, this is my, to my knowledge, the second uh, very scary incident, including a, a stalker. Uh, the first one, of course, was a few months back. Uh, with Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose being uh, a part of that as well and this individual who basically had forced uh, Mandy to sort of take some time out uh, and, and just sort of regroup um, you know in this day and age to have stalkers you know I guess you know there's no more groupies but now there's stalkers and here now we have um, you know we have like we have another incident here a word of advice if you are attracted to these women or you are a super uber fan of these women and you want to uh, get their attention this is absolutely no shit Sherlock not the way to do it what are you thinking obviously that's a mental issue a mental deficiency that would make you want to go to these these ladies houses there were their places of, of privacy and go to to God knows what to them harm them hurt them kill them stab them shoot them strangle them you know startle them scare them 
you know, whatever the case may be, but this is not the way to do it. You know, I'm sure there's different channels there. There are channels in which you can go through in order to uh, get your, your, your support uh, known to these individuals. Uh, don't come across creepy or strange or weird, you know, being just overly obsessive because it doesn't get you anything except for jail time and a restraining order and you know it just it will turn your head up even more which is always the fear that i have when it comes to uh, these these stalkers is that if you add any if you retaliate uh, against their very inappropriate behavior that it acts as a trigger for them even more like now they hate you they don't they they still love you but they hate you and they want to do harm to you so I don't want to see anything that resembles or looks like or is the same as what we saw with just to take a music uh, approach to this for a moment. But what they I saw what the world saw with Selena, where her uh, supposed fan club member, or her fan club, um, uh, the head of her fan club, who was also a, supposedly a good friend of hers ended up being jealous and being uh you know feeling slighted by the family and and selena herself ended up taking selena's life um you know it's an unfortunate story uh it should never have happened but this is what happens when you're dealing with uh you know people with mental issues with mental issues and mental problems that just cannot seem to separate reality from fiction and you know, while Paige is an attractive woman to many, uh, I don't see why this was going to be something that was going to result in that particular stalker. And I'm not going to make mention of this person's name or even the Sonya Deville stalker or any of that. I'm not going to big them up or anything like that, of course. Um, you know, you've lost your mind pretty much to think that you're going to uh, be welcomed by these women. You know, they've got husbands, they've got boyfriends, they've got, you know, fiancés. They, you know, whether they're dating someone or not is not nobody's business at the end of the day. But, you know, it's not for you, a male, to go and intrude on a female's property. Doesn't matter if they are a television star or not. You never should be doing anything as crazy as that. And this individual got dealt with, was snagged up by the police and the authorities dealt with them. And I hope that they throw him in jail and they keep him in jail for for as long as possible so that he gets the, the picture never to do something like this again. Unfortunately, there is other stalkers out there in the wrestling business that seem to uh, follow the same unnecessary pattern. Uh, it's, it is very frightening. It's It's... I mean, I don't know what else to say to you about this except for it always will result in just jail time. And I never want to see it go fatal. The wrestling business, unfortunately, this past year has grown its body count when it comes to um, lives that we've lost due to suicide, due to bullying. Uh, bullying, which leads to suicide. You know, um, Hannah Kimura uh, had taken her life due to um, 
you know, due due to the bullying that she received on Twitter in particular. Uh, we do not want to see anything like that happen again. It's not necessary. It's not needed. Uh, again, there is different ways that you can do this where you're not you're you're not trying to um, you're not trying to. I'm looking for the proper word here. You're not trying to come across looking creepy and looking like you're going to be a threat to the particular star that you're obsessing over. Learn to separate the two, okay? This is just a word of advice for anyone that's listening that has a very big infatuation with someone, whether it be a male performer or a female performer. Learn to separate. Learn to understand that these people are performers on TV. They are by nature TV stars. They are professional wrestlers. They are there to entertain you. But it's up to them if they are feeling like they are threatened. It is up to them to then draw the line and say, I entertain you on TV, but this is my private time. Don't even think about anything that you're thinking about right now when it comes to me because it's not going to work it's not going to help you it's not going to do anything but result in just um you know like just just a bad a bad ending and again i don't want to see anything happen to any more performers in the business there is too many people who have taken their lives in the business by suicide or who have died and again you know mentioning eddie guerrero eddie guerrero was found uh deceased in a hotel i don't want to see anything like that again we don't need this now where some obsessive stalker comes and kills another uh, performer because they don't know how to control themselves you know and i hope and pray that page and uh, whoever was in the home with her as well, I believe it was her boyfriend, um, are safe, they're sound, and they get ed- you know, added extra security and they have closure to this. I know it's going to take some time, but I, I hope that um, you know, everybody involved is safe and nobody is hurt or harmed or threatened in any kind of way anymore. Uh, that's just in a perfect world, but again, this is not a perfect world. This is a very scary world. It's a very even more scarier world now than it's ever been. And to hear something like this in the middle of what's going on still is just, it is frightening. But, you know, this is why we need to have stricter laws on 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 that interaction with, with uh, you know, fan and performer. Having said that, I'm going to call it a day on this particular segment. Uh... We will be back after these messages, and I think I've gotten my point across that, you know, you as a supporter need to know that there is a line that you do not cross, and that particular uh, individual crossed a line that he should have never crossed uh, with Paige, and I'm just glad that Paige is safe. We'll be back after these messages. A word from our sponsor. Why Amazon's Audible? Amazon's Audible content includes more than 180,000 audio programs from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Be sure to use our unique URL at www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio to get started today. 
Welcome back, everybody, to TFE Radio Wrestling, our second episode, our third and final segment. I hope you've enjoyed the show thus far. Make sure to join us back here again next week for episode three. But let's get to our third segment, which is our throwback match of the week. And I chose WCW New Japan Super Show 1, known as Starcade in Tokyo Dome in Japan, from March 21st, 1991. It is the Great Muta against Sting. The match lasted 12 minutes and 41 seconds. Now, I chose this match because I was always intrigued by the Great Muta, who at the time was my was becoming one of my favorite stars of all time uh, from Japan. Uh, until I found out about a guy by the name of Kento Kobashi, who I had mentioned earlier. Uh, Sting and... The Great Muta squared off in this particular match. I remember the entrances of both gentlemen uh, high atop those platforms for the entire Tokyo Dome to see them. And the pyro and the, uh, the I believe it was confetti type of pyro that Sting had. And he was wearing his red, uh, his red white and blue uh, face paint and uh, ring jacket. Muta uh, wearing his... I would say his more traditional uh, Great Muta attire, uh, the red pants and the uh, the red and black face paint. Uh, that's my favorite version of the Great Muta. Uh, I, it's funny because I used to be known as the Great Muna because my last name at one point, uh, due to my mother uh, marrying a Muslim Trinidadian, his last name was Muna. So I was known as the Great Muna. As everybody had caught on to the great Mota and uh, WCW wrestling at that time, being that it was on the WCW Power Hour television show on TSN on, uh, I believe it was every Wednesday uh, back in 1991. And that was the first time I had ever seen this particular match, actually, because they had showcased it on that particular program. And Sting and Mota uh, did battle. It's arguably maybe not uh, one of their better matches, but I definitely, again, as you heard the theme throughout this show, I was definitely entertained. I love the entrances. I love the pomp and circumstance, the pageantry of their entrances. I loved how these two gentlemen who had already had a history uh, being in the ring with each other had a... Uh, Basically, this was 91, so they were going already at it for about a good couple of years. Uh, at this point, their uh, their program, their feud had already sort of ended. Uh, they really had picked it up in about 89 when they really were going at it into 1990. And then here they had picked it up again in Japan where Sting ultimately succumbed to the Great Muta when he had... Uh, he had done the Irish whip setup in the corner for the Stinger splash, but Muta had, as Sting was coming in, sprayed him with the green mist, the mysterious green mist. It was all over Sting's face and chest, and then Muta climbed the ropes and did a uh, somersault, moonsault uh, body press onto Sting and ultimately winning the match. Uh, it was one of the more entertaining matches I had ever seen between the two gentlemen. Of course, they later on went on to have uh, matches, I believe, in 1990 uh, or 92, something of that nature. Um, 
and then uh, throughout Japan and the United States. Uh, I always felt that they always had a good chemistry with the two of them. Uh, there was never a dull moment. Uh, Gary Hart was not uh, in the corner of the Great Muta for this match. Of course, this match was in Japan. Uh, the old matches between Sting and uh, Muta had taken place in the old NWA slash WCW days. Like I said, uh, a couple of years before. Uh, Muta was at the top of his game at this time, having uh, returned to Japan for full-time action for New Japan. And uh, he's a certified legend, and one day we'll go into the Hall of Fame, hopefully soon, uh, sooner than later. He is one of those big names that still uh, should get an opportunity to be in the Hall of Fame, not just because of his work in Japan, but because of his uh, stateside work that he has done, having competed for WCW, and of course, uh, you know, you know his little few shots here and there uh, with TNA Wrestling, aka Impact Wrestling, over the last. Uh, I would say six, seven years or whatever it's been. Uh, he's made his appearances here and there uh, under the um, the guise of Jeff Jarrett. And of course Sting having uh, one of his greatest runs ever at this time in WCW. And the 1990, uh, I would say between 1990 and 90, I would say 90, I would say basically for the whole 10 years up until the time that WCW closed down, he was embarking on his, uh, let's see, he had joined the company at the end of 87 when the Crockett promotion had uh, bought out the Mid-South, aka UWF promotion from Bill Watts in 87, which then led to NWA, uh, UWF, Starcade 87. So Sting was a part of the company at that time for... Just about three and a half, four years when him and Muta had squared off in Japan for the D Japan Super Show. The WCW Japan Super Show, as I was about to say. That was the same card that the controversial match between the Nature Boy Ric Flair, one of his last uh, major uh, pay-per-views for the company, and one of his last major uh, big world title defenses uh, had occurred where he had dropped seemingly the WCW World Heavyweight title to Tatsumi the Dragon Fujinami who at the time I believe was the IWGP Heavyweight Champion which then ultimately led to the uh, rematch at that year's uh, WCW Super Brawl 1 in 1991 um, in Florida I believe it was and that's where Ric Flair ultimately defeated uh, Fujinami uh, this was the same pay-per-view card uh, that also had the Steiner brothers, uh, I believe, winning the IWGP World Tag Team titles. And, uh, yeah, um, a lot of great things had happened on this particular pay-per-view, WCW Japan Super Show 91. This was the first Japan Super Show of record, which ultimately led to then the 92 and the 93. Uh, 93... Uh, was one of my favorite ones just for the simple fact that it was the night that the one and only aforementioned Great Muta had become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, defeating Masahiro Chono in a very, very good match, and then ultimately dropping it a, uh, a month or two later in February of 93 to the legendary Barry Windham. And that was also the night that Ric Flair had returned from the WWF to 
WCW strapping the NWA world title around the waist of Barry Windham having been on commentary. Uh, so you see how things sort of come full circle with Mota and Flair and Sting and so on and so forth. And of course, when Sting uh, wrestled his last match for WCW, that was the night that him and Ric Flair closed out WCW and WCW Nitro, the historic night that the WWF uh, and the WCW had done the simulcast in which it was announced uh, to the public once and for all that WWF had purchased the WCW. Having said that, that was the throwback match of the week. I hope that you enjoyed it. You know, they did their standard sort of typical sort of sting muda match. Uh, the flips and kicks and punches and the stinger splash and the mist and everything. But it was still a very, you guessed it, entertaining match. That is it for me, everybody. That is all. I hope you enjoyed this show. This one's in the books. Join us here back here same bat cha time same bat channel again easy for me to say or same tfe time same tfe channel every saturday three episodes of three distinct different shows go up on the tfe network where you can download and subscribe and share and like and everything else under the stars and you can enjoy the sultry sounds of yours truly whether you're a wrestling fan listening to this particular show or you're interested or whether you're West Indian or not, you're Trinidadian or not, you can listen to TFE Radio Trinidad or you can listen to the uh, main show, as it were, although I think all these shows are main shows. That is TFE Uncut, un excuse me, TFE Radio Uncut and Uncensored. It's all about the branding, people. TFE Radio Uncut and Uncensored. So you have TFE Radio on Cut and Uncensored, TFE Radio Trinidad, and this one, this particular show you're listening to, TFE Radio Wrestling. And, you know, you can listen to one show, two shows, or all three shows. Like I said in the previous uh, shows that I had recorded earlier, if you listen to no shows, well, see ya. I guess we were not uh, meant for you and we were not your cup of tea, but... For those of you who want to stick to us and you would like to donate, as you heard in our commercials, you can get yourself an Amazon Audible trial service going and you can help us as we get a little kickback for that as they are a sponsor of our shows and everything content related to TFE. Also, if you would like to donate to us by using our unique PayPal link, uh, PayPal www.paypal.me slash tfe navarro you can donate there or you can just join us on social media or you could do all of it you can donate and still join us on social media and my company on social media you could do so with me at tfe navarro on facebook instagram linkedin you could also find me at james navarro on uh, linkedin and also, it's myurls.com slash TFE Worldwide for everything TFE online. You can join my company on social media as well at TFE Worldwide on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And you can find us, TFE, the Franchise Entertainment, on LinkedIn. 
Having said that, that is it, everybody. You can find us on 65 different platforms. There is a new platform that I will be announcing next week, Saturday, in which we have now joined. And that will just add to our 65 platforms that this network and this show is a part of. And we are just growing and expanding already. Thank you to those of you who have given amazing feedback to the shows, to the launch of the network and everything else. Continue to listen to us as we continue to get ourselves back already on track with a consistent schedule. No need to really say it, but I will say it. You will catch us here every Saturday for three distinct shows, three new episodes, once a week. You have three to choose from, or you could choose all three, as long as you're choosing one of them or all of us. It's all good. All of the shows hosted and led by yours truly. So that's it, everybody. Thank you once again for joining us. We will be back here next week for TFE Radio Wrestling, episode three. Have a good night, everybody.